Chapter 14 of Five Mice in a Mousetrap by the Man in the Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kurt Troutwine. Five Mice in a Mousetrap by the Man in the Moon by Laura E. Richards. Chapter 14 Stories Again. Poor little Puff. She certainly was very ill. All day long she tossed and moaned in feverish pain, to the great distress of her good uncle and the faithful Mrs. Posset. They were very, very anxious about her, but the doctor, who came every day, said that there was no immediate danger, as long as the child slept so well at night. All night long she slept quietly, sometimes smiling in her sleep and always looking peaceful and happy. Yes, indeed, I flatter myself. I had a great deal to do with that. Every night I sat by my little mouse's pillow and told stories and sang songs till my brother's son came and winked at me through the window and told me it was not night at all and I must take myself off and leave the field to him. Stories? Dear me, there was no end to them. And you shall have some of them, if you will. Here is one, for example, of which Puff was extremely fond. It was called The Flea. Once upon a time there was a flea wee-wee, and he hopped, and he hopped, and he hopped. And as the flea was hopping one day, he met a mouse round the house, and he squeaked, and he squeaked, and he squeaked. And when the mouse saw the flea, he said to him, What do you do for a living? And the flea said, I bite people. Then the mouse said, As you have lived upon others, others shall live upon you. So he caught up the flea, and he ate him up. And there was an end of the flea. But as the mouse was squeaking one day, he met a cat, very fat, and she mewed and she mewed and she mewed. And when the cat saw the mouse, she said to him, What do you do for a living? And the mouse said, I nibble cheese and eat fleas. Then the cat said, As you have lived upon others, others shall live upon you. So she caught the mouse, and she ate him up, and there was an end of the mouse. But as the cat was mewing one day, she met a dog named Gog and he barked and he barked and he barked and when the dog saw the cat he said to her what do you do for a living and the cat said i eat mice because they are nice then the dog said as you have lived upon others others shall live upon you so he caught the cat and he ate her up and there was an end of the cat but as the dog was barking one day he met a chinaman ting pan and he talked and he talked and he talked and when the chinaman saw the dog he said to him, What do you do for a living? And the dog said, I slay the cat, and likewise the rat. Then the Chinaman said, As you have lived upon others, others shall live upon you. So he caught the dog, and he cooked him with rice, and ate him up, and there was an end of the dog. But now, you see, the Chinaman had eaten the dog named Gog, and the cat very fat, and the mouse round the house, and the flea wee-wee. So when he had eaten them all, they all disagreed with him, and he died, and there was an end of the Chinaman, Ting Pan. This was Puff's favorite story, and I had to tell it at least once every night, and often twice. Then, when that was done, she would call for Michiki Moo. You have never heard of that, I'll warrant, for you do not, most of you, understand the Pawnee dialect, and Michiki Moo is a Pawnee ballad. The Indian mamas sing it to their pupusas as they rock them in their bark cradles under the trees, 
in the western forests i had to translate it into english of course for puff so here it is michiki moo an indian ballad whoopsie whittlesy wanko wee howly old growly old indian he lived on the hill of the mungo paws and all his papooses and all his squaws there was wawabaki the blue-nosed goose and chingagaki the capering moose there was pixie wiggin and squawpan too but the fairest of all was michiki moo michiki moo the savory tart pride of whittlesy wanko's heart michiki moo the cherokee pie apple of whittlesy wanko's eye whittlesy wanko loved her so that the other squalls did with envy grow and each said to the other now what shall we do to spoil the beauty of michiki moo we'll lure her away to the mountain top and there her head we will neatly chop we'll while her away to the forest heart and shoot her down with a poisoned dart we'll tice her away to the riverside and there she shall be the manitou's bride oh one of these things we will surely do and we'll spoil the beauty of michiki moo michiki moo thou cherokee pie away with me to the mountain high nay my sister i will not roam i'm safer and happier here at home michiki moo thou savory tart away with me to the forest heart nay my sister i will not go i fear the dart of some hidden foe michiki moo oh whittlesy pride away with me to the riverside nay my sister for fear i fall and wouldst thou come if thou hurts me call now choose thee choose thee thy way of death for soon thou shalt draw thy latest breath we all have sworn that to-day we'll see the last fair michigimu of thee whittlesy wanko hidden near each and all of these words did hear he summoned his braves all painted for war and gave them in charge each guilty squaw take wawabaki the blue-nosed goose take chingakaki the capering moose take pixie wiggin and squawpen too and leave me alone with my michigimu this one away to the mountain top and there her head ye shall neatly chop this one away to the forest heart and shoot her down with a poisoned dart this one away to the river's side and there let her be the manitou's bride away with them all the woodlands through for i'll have no squaw save michikimu away went the braves without question or pause and they soon put an end to the guilty squaws they pleasantly smiled when the deed was done saying pinko chonky oh isn't it fun and then they all danced the buffalo dance and capered about with ambiguous prance while they drank to the health of the lover so true brave whittlesy wanko and michiki moo i wish i had an indian doll mr moonman said fluff one night after i had sung this ballad to her a little papoose it would be so nice nothing is easier i replied take katinka there who has long black hair stain her face and neck with walnut juice and paint her with stripes and spots of red and yellow then wrap her up in a blanket and put some beads round her neck and you have an indian doll she will be a truly lovely object according to indian ideas which indeed may not be quite the same as your own but what of that thank you kindly mr moonman said katinka who was spending the night on puff's bed i am very sure my dear little mother will do nothing of the kind walnut juice indeed and for me who have the finest complexion in the dollhouse you might take sally bradford now and she would not look more like a witch than she does now but i am a french doll and am not used to such treatment don't abuse sally bradford miss i said she is an excellent doll for whom i have great respect 
and as for your fine complexion why we all know that handsome is as handsome does and i should like to know who does all the work in the dollhouse but speaking of witches i wonder if puff has ever heard the story of the witch who came to see little polly pemberton that is a queer story no i have never heard it mr moonman cried puff eagerly was it a real witch do tell me the story oh as for being real i replied that is none of my business my business is to tell the story which i will do i heard a little girl in new haven telling it to her brothers and sisters the other night and she frightened them half out of their wits i will try to tell the story just as she did did you know children that there were witches in old times well there were or people thought there were which came to much the same thing for the witches hear this story and then see what you think about the matter well once there was a little girl about eight years old i shall call her polly but you need not feel obliged to follow my example if you prefer to call her kamschatka i don't mind in the least this little girl lived with her father and mother in a little red cottage which stood quite by itself near a thick wood every day her parents went to the village which was a mile or more away to work and they left little polly in charge of the house for she was a good and quiet little girl and never was lonely or sad one day polly was sitting by the window knitting when she saw a queer-looking old woman coming along the road such a queer old woman have you ever seen a picture of cinderella's fairy godmother well she looked just like that pointed hat red cloak and all when the old woman saw polly she stopped and looked earnestly at her then she hobbled slowly up to the door and knocked polly ran and opened the door how are you my child said the old dame let me in i'm your grandmother polly had always been taught to be respectful to old people so she let the old woman in and politely handed her a chair but she could not help saying as she did so excuse me ma'am but i don't think you can be my grandmother that shows how much you know about it replied the old woman how old are you eight years old said polly very well said the old woman now i am ninety-six years old just twelve times as old as you are therefore i'm your grandmother but i don't see began polly oh if you want to argue about it said the old dame here we are and she drew from her pocket a small book and opening it read aloud take a little girl eight years old and multiply her by twelve what will be the result answer her grandmother there she said triumphantly what do you think of that poor polly did not know what to think of it she looked at the book which looked exactly like colburn's arithmetic is that colburn's arithmetic ma'am she asked timidly colburn's fiddlestick said the old woman shortly here's another for you put a boy up in an apple tree and divide him by a good-sized bulldog what will remain hey i'm sure i don't know said poor polly faintly mincemeat of course said the old woman you don't know much evidently what a dreadful-looking cat thought polly and indeed he did not look like an amiable animal his green eyes shone with an uncanny light and his long claws were constantly sheathing and unsheathing themselves as if they longed to scratch somebody however the old woman certainly seemed fond of him hobble-gobble she said prince of cats black diamond blazing emerald attend kickery punk punkery kick 
Bring the teapot and be quick. The cat gave one spring, and in the twinkling of an eye he reached the cupboard where the silver was kept. Now the door of the cupboard was locked, as Polly, in her surprise, which was fast turning into terror, thankfully remembered. The cat, finding it locked, turned and looked at his mistress, who, striking her stick on the floor, exclaimed, Scratchery, patchery, tooth and nail, open the door with a quirk of your tail. Quick as thought, the creature turned round and inserted the tip of his tail in the keyhole. In a moment, the door flew open, and, seizing the silver teapot in his claws, the cat sprang back with it to his mistress, who, snatching the teapot, hid it under her red cloak. At this, Polly sprang to her feet, with a cry of mingled fear and anger. But the witch, for this certainly must have been a witch, if there ever was one, pointed her stick at her and muttered some strange words which sounded like, Boogera woogera boogle jum, hobble gobble. She said this last word suddenly and sharply, and Polly was quite startled. But fancy her alarm when a large black cat crept out from beneath the red cloak, and sitting down on his mistress's knee, looked up in her face with an air of unearthly sagacity, and poor Polly fell back in her chair, unable to move hand or foot. There she sat, motionless, but perfectly conscious, watching this dreadful old hag. And what do you think the creature did next? She took some strange-looking herbs from her pocket and put them in the teapot, which she then filled with water and set on the stove. Then, calling to her cat, she began to hop slowly around the stove on one foot. The cat followed her, hopping first on one black foot and then on another, but keeping its unearthly green eyes fixed on Polly all the time. The witch kept muttering strange words like those which had thrown the spell on Polly, while her companion moved in time, if not in tune. Boogera, woogera, boogle-joom-joom, -joom. I will have all, and my cat shall have some. Boogle-joom, boogle-joom, boogera-boom, down with the teapot and up with the broom. By the time she hopped around the stove six times, the water in the teapot was boiling furiously. The old hag stopped and said, Hobble-gobble. Prince of Cats, produce the broomstick. The cat jumped up on the stove, without seeming to mind the heat in the least, though the iron was nearly red-hot. He lifted the lid of the teapot and took out. What do you think now? You will never believe me, but I am not responsible for the story. He took out a broom, a long broom, with a bright red handle, which seemed somehow as if it was alive, for it actually wriggled as the cat, leaping down from the stove, handed it to his mistress. The old woman snatched it and waved it three times round Polly's head. Then she mounted the stick as if it were a horse, and calling once more to her cat, she rose in the air and vanished up the chimney. The cat, sitting beside her on the broomstick and grinning hideously at Polly as long as he remained in sight, that was truly dreadful, was it not? That comes of leaving little girls alone all day, which is a very bad plan. But is that all? asked Puffy. Doesn't it tell what became of Polly and the teapot? You haven't told any end to the story, Mr. Moonman. Exactly, I replied. There isn't any end to it. But there is an end to this night, and that end has come. Farewell, my mouse. Till tomorrow night. And I whisked away, leaving Katinka and Puff so much astonished that one fell off to bed and the other woke up. Wasn't that funny? End of chapter 14. Stories again. Recording by Kurt Trotwine.